0: Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. Hello. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And together we are two guys <laughs> sitting in Brad's living room in the middle of the day. Sitting around watching the sunset. Yeah, so we were watching the sunset. It's that slow it
1: gets, part of the, the season, man, when like... it's it dark so early, huh? Uh, you know, if there's anything good about being a parent, it's... I mean, because before I became a parent, I remember this time of year, you know, because I was like, DJing and playing in bands and you would like and I would get up at two o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon and not make it out of the house in time to catch any sunlight wow
0: and it was just so depressing <laughs> that's like the real like rock and roll life though. I don't know man You know, it's weird it's weird like that it's weird how that goes from like being cool to just being like really pathetic and there's like a fine line where like it just switches. <laughs> I like think it's the same
1: You know, I if given the choice, I like that. I I mean, I like those hours. I, I don't know what it is. I can think clearly at night. Yeah. I know I'm, what you mean. I don't miss I don't miss you know, I don't miss going on touring and you know, like and I don't definitely don't miss fucking DJing in New York clubs
0: yeah. at all. I hate DJing. <laughs> I mean I'll do it once in a while just to make money, but I really I really don't enjoy it. I I don't enjoy staying out that late. I
1: don't, well, and I don't enjoy going out, like, that late anymore, but I did like, like, I liked, you know, I liked being awake at, like, three o'clock in the morning, even if it was in my own apartment. Just, I don't know what it is. See, My juices flow at that
0: hour. I think some people, I think it depends how you're wired. I mean, for me, I love, I wake up around seven every day, pretty much, and go to yoga, and I love, like, it being, like... 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I've already done this, like, all this, like, breathing, all this stretching. I feel like that really sets me up for my day. Like, that that feeling to me is better than, like, staying out for an extra you're, couple hours at night. You're
1: probably on the right track.
0: Well, I mean, like, you know, I, not in, like, a judgmental <laughs> way, but I feel like that. there's almost... It's not a high, but there's, like, a sort of, like, mental kind of, like... It just... I don't know. I feel like it just, like, makes things easier to deal with throughout the course of the day. Well, you're you're, why? I mean, physiologically, that's when
1: humans are supposed... You're supposed to be active with the sun and not... Yeah. In my fucking preferred...
0: (laughs) It's nice. I like... I never thought I would like getting up early. I do. I like... The only thing that sucks is riding the L train in the morning. I mean, I'm so far out that I can always get on, but it's like by the time I get to Union Square, it's like
1: sardines. It's it's pretty intense.
0: There's <laughs> definitely been like a couple moments where I was like I think there's going to be a fight, especially like on Ugh. like Bedford like people just like jamming in. Right. It's like and it's like yeah, it's pretty crazy. Wow. Cuz it's like if you live over there like every train is just going to be, you know, like that's one of the perks of just being kind of far out. Yeah. There aren't that many people on the train when I get on. Right. If right. the train's crowded when I get on, it's like re- things are really bad. Ugh. But yeah, you're down here in the real Lower East Side, you can walk everywhere. Pretty much. Yeah, that's nice. Sometimes I even take a bus,
1: although that's pretty miserable. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's nice to be in Manhattan.
0: Yeah, I've actually been toying with the idea. I feel like Brooklyn is getting so expensive that I've been toying with the idea of moving back to Manhattan. I don't know really if it would cost that much more. At this point, I don't know. I was just out in Bushwick yesterday. Really? I went to see Aaron. and um, Hit me up, man. No, I should have. I've actually been meaning to see Aaron, too. Ba- Shout Every out time to I- Aaron. Aaron Bastinelli. Aaron Bastinelli. If you really, there you go. If, if, if you, you want to mix your record, call Aaron. Yeah, Aaron mixed uh, the United Nations song, um, Stairway to Mar-a-Lago, uh, yeah. which features a, a vocalist that sounds a lot like Daryl Palumbo from Glassjaw. Wow. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Glassjaw just have a new record that, that uh, came out, Material Control. And uh, it's pretty funny. I actually interviewed them recently for Noisy. And do you know anything about this record? No. So uh, their first record in 15 years. Oh, wow. The last record came out in 2002. Uh, so they made this record, and they are they put out a couple EPs, but they're like a very kind of like enigmatic band. And so the idea for the record, I talk about this in the piece, was uh, their guitar player, Justin Beck, owns this merchandising company. So he compiled all these addresses of people that had ordered Glassjaw stuff. And the idea was he had these... Tw- there's 10 songs and he made flexies with different art for each flexi that were almost like postcards, but you could play them and he wanted to just mail them out to all these fans and not tell them it was coming. And that was how people would find out there was a new record after 15 years. And somehow there was some technical thing with the label and they accidentally put a pre-order up on Amazon with like the title and the release date, Uh, like two (laughs) weeks before it came out and all these blogs picked up on it and so like it kind of like it kind of like spoiled the surprise and so funny because i interviewed him about it. i'm friends with his wife oh we did an episode with him and his wife yeah we did an episode with justin melissa and he and justin was like yeah it's funny my, my wife uh said it was perfect glass draw irony that we called the album material control and it, the material was not controlled <laughs> but the record is awesome so uh if you're a glass draw fan uh check it out um you can check out that interview if, if you want uh daryl and uh and justin are great dudes and uh yeah it's great they have a new record. Um, so hopefully they'll be doing some more touring. Um, but yeah, today on the podcast, another, another kind of, those guys are post-hardcore legends. I would say today's guest is more of a hardcore legend. I would say, I would definitely say that. I mean, it was, you know, he's the
1: founding father.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> today on the podcast, we have Craig Satari, who I want to thank, uh, Paul Delaney from Clear Idols and, uh, Black Anvil and all these other bands for setting, putting us in touch. But Craig, Yeah bass player and Sick of It All. Um, maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> uh, he also played in Ignastic Front, The chromax, Straight Ahead, Youth of Today. Uh, Craig is just, uh, it's funny how like Craig's like, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was like really part of the NY New York hardcore scene because I was from Queens. I was like, I don't know, dude, you're like about as New York hardcore as it <laughs> if, gets.
1: If you look at, if and, and if you look at New York music history, the most iconic people were from Queens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yes, Craig. Yes, you're Craig. Fully you're, validated. Craig, you're the real
0: deal. And I want to also uh, thank Craig. There were a lot of cheesy jokes I made about Sigvidal all during this podcast, <laughs> as I did with our episode. You can go back. We did an episode with Lou and Pete, um, which three was or four also, years ago. Awesome. which was also great. Those guys are great. And what I like about these guys is, yeah, they're so so talented, so down to earth, and they have a very good sense of humor. Um, and yeah, and there was a sign in the studio that said step down because there's a step and it's like, that's the name of a song off Scratch the Surface. And I was with Steve Grawalski and I was like, I gotta make this step down joke. And so I like tried to make it twice and like other people were talking and then I was like, hey Greg, don't forget to step down. And he was like, uh-huh. Like, He's a very good sport about it, um, which I thought was cool. But yeah, if you're if you're not familiar with at all, I mean, they're just celebrating their 30th anniversary. They just did a run of like super small shows i think they play like bowery electric fight Is, a show in queens and they're just yeah there's a reason why they're a legendary band so it's like yeah and the
1: re- they still are fucking yes amazing yes live. yes absolutely I,
0: I was talking to i forgot the spot. i dude i saw them in high school they toured with afi and snapcase and yeah. i remember it blew my mind but yeah i mean i grew up listening to yeah scratch the surface obviously blood sweat no tears um Built to last. I mean, they have so... And then they have newer stuff, and then they re-recorded some of the old stuff, and they still tour a ton. Yeah. I just miss them in Asia, but they are just a monster live band. Um, everyone in that band is so talented. And... Craig, of course, came to Pulse Music. Yes. Yes. Which Sorry, we gushing. Prop- <laughs> yes. So, yeah.
1: Shout out to Pulse Music. Um, We've been doing all our podcasts at Pulse yes. lately. So, uh, thanks to them for hosting, and to Stephen Grawalski for engineering, um fantastic job as you will hear shortly
0: yes so yeah um enough of us rambling um should i say anything about donating should we save that for the end i'm gonna say very briefly we'll talk about the end but we're on uh patreon so patreon.com slash going off track if
1: you want to become a a member and and there's a lot of incentives and levels of contribution you can make but just go check it out and uh we'll talk about it more after
0: this podcast with craig satari enjoy
2: I love that shit because I've been so like, a vegetarian eating. for like 25 years now. And how many times like I've dealt with this like perception of like you know like you're almost like weaker, like not manly because I'm like not eating meat. Like yeah, I've gorillas been dealing with this shit, like, That's like
3: the the strongest animal there is. Yeah, practically, you know. I've what been mean? dealing
2: with this like like this whole time. This. So when I see like John (laughs) Joseph out there, like saying this shit on Instagram, and I'm like, Yo, no one's gonna fuck with him, you know what I mean? Like you're not taking him down a peg like you're gonna (laughs) do me. Like I'm like, hippopotami, vegetarian. They are, aren't
3: they? What's that? Hippopotami.
2: I believe so. They? No, they're not. No, they're not because no, they. Yeah, yeah right. they so fuck I'm people wrong up. About no, no, but, yeah, but I think you, I think they are. They I think kill. but They don't they kill, kill eat animals, animals, but they don't eat them. Oh, really? I oh, really?
1: I'm I'm could be sure. wrong, but i I think you're right. Yeah, oh, really? oh, sure. I was wondering. I said, do mess people up. I could look it up. Hippopotami. That would just say hippopotami. Yeah, hippopotami. I
2: believe sure so. See, I'm on
1: air. I have to
3: like be careful, like I don't mess up. Nah, I don't worry. And my Queen's accent will come through. There's no getting rid of that.
2: There's gonna be a lot of. We do have a big zoologist crowd. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. That'll
1: work. We just tell lies. That's all we do. Make up facts. Don't we all, my friend? Don't we all? (laughs) That's
0: these days. That's how it goes, man. So, Craig, you started playing bass when you were like two years old? Is that true? No, about ten. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Probably.
3: I guess around uh, 1980. (coughs) Probably around 1980, I started playing bass. I was in like
2: uh, fifth grade, I guess. And how did that come to pass that young? That's not uh, really... my,
3: my brother started going, uh, he was in like ninth grade, he was going to high school and he went to his, in his music class, uh, Danny Lilker, you know what Danny Lilker is? No. He's the bass player for Nuclear Assault oh, and okay. Brutal Truth and he was yeah, the yeah. original bass player for Anthrax. Yeah. Oh, he uh, was in my brother's music class and they became fast friends really quickly and he would come over for lunch, uh, you know, with my brother and, uh, <clears throat> he my brother they wanted my brother to at least danny wanted my brother to play bass for anthrax originally when they were just like hey we have this idea we're gonna do a cover band we're gonna cover like motorhead priest and maiden so it was like an idea for a cover band you know like that was like when first maiden album was out or whatever and uh he was teaching my brother bass but i was picking it up more because i was more into it my brother just wanted to like pick up girls and smoke joints (laughs) <laughs> so it was more like my thing and i was like super into it so i was like you know how do you play this how do you play that and then i just f- started figuring out stuff on my own you know
2: and did i read that you played a show at cb's when you were 14? Yeah,
3: four, 14 yeah 14 so my, i was like 84 show. and you were yeah 14? like 84 i was like 14 yeah i
2: mean like the thing i wonder in a situation like that is like 14 15 i i have yeah, 14 i think yeah like i used to have to go to like great lengths to go to shows at like the Pipeline or Studio One and places like that when I was you know in high school like I had to sneak around to go to places yeah, like yeah, that yeah. like like what was the actual process of you at 14 getting your bass to CB's and like and playing um, a show Like, well it was
3: just a matter of uh, I first started going to sh- Danny Looker it all goes back to Danny Looker who was, okay. who was you know a, a big influence to me And uh, he would give me records, seven inches, like uh, tapes that he traded. You know what I mean? Turned me on to like new wave of British heavy metal stuff. And then from from, right from there, it went right to like uh, the exploited and discharge and and stuff like that. So uh, I was into it, but I was really little so i'd always be like you know i couldn't i could take the subway and all that but not really i was kind of like too little unless i had somebody to go with me so the first place i went was a met game and the second place was was like cbs i went, <laughs> I went with i went with danny to a show and uh you know he's like hey we got to go to a show i was like let's go to a show but a lot of times i couldn't so finally we went to a show and uh at the like the, i went as soon as i went to my first show i went every week even if i had to go by myself i would just take the train and and uh Right when I went to shows, the first show I went to, I walked in, I've told the story a million times, but uh, Big Charlie Hankins, may he rest in peace, uh, he was the the bouncer at Seabees, uh-huh. he was a hardcore guy, and he was a giant black man that weighed about 265 pounds. And he played – the way I knew him was he played on the football team in high school and he was friends with Danny Lilker and my brother, Scott. Uh, So uh, sometimes it would just be Danny and my brother coming to lunch, but (laughs) Big Charlie would come over a lot too because they were all friends. So I knew Big Charlie from coming at my house, and my mother would always make jokes about how she had to make three times as much food because he was so big and he ate so much. So uh, first time I went to CB's, Big Charlie was there. And he's like, hey, kid, what are you doing? And, you know, obviously, Danny's like, I didn't tell you, you know, Charlie's going to be here, blah, blah, blah. And first thing Charlie did was grab me, and he grabbed everybody. It was like 50 people at the show. He goes, you see this guy? He's my friend. He's like, he's a good kid. And everybody was my friend after that. And I went on his shoulders, and I danced the whole show. It was like an AOD show, I think.
2: That's awesome. You had to pass. You never had to. <laughs> I had to pass right away. You never had to do the shit. So the first time I played
3: Seabees, uh, uh, I just, you know, went in, whatever. I probably got one of my friends that was a little older to drive me in. One of my brother. I think my brother's friend. Either my brother or my brother's friend, Joe.
2: And you were coming from Queens or from Long, Long Fi- Island? Filipino now, I thought. Okay. Queens. I grew
3: up in Bayside, Queens. In Bayside. <laughs> so uh, Danny lent me his amp. And uh, I had a bass already. So I went and played and that was the setup for the first show. And the first show I ever played, Stigma was there and he sang all the words. Wow. And I was like, I was used was to stage diving. So it was Carl, you know, later on, Carl Iceman, okay. Carl Mosh, yeah, rest yeah. in peace. Uh, they were at the show dancing. All the old timers, Billy Psycho, they were all singing along and dancing. And I was like, how do you guys know the material? And it turns out a bunch of them had the demo tape that we were selling at CB's before we played our first show. We wow. like did, had a demo and we'd sell it like uh, outside at CB's for like yeah, three yeah. bucks or whatever. Cool, man. <laughs> So it was pretty cool. Like, that's was. <laughs> yeah. Best part about it was like, you're in you're in high school and there's all these jocks and I was like a little weird kid and everyone's like, a, not everyone's an asshole. I had friends, but it's like, you know, a typical story. But, uh, and then you go to Seabees and they're the scariest people you ever saw in your life and they're all super cool. Yeah. You know, so it was a, a place where you were judged not by anything other than what you brought to the table. You know, you know what I'm it's saying? It's
2: funny it was, too, because when I asked that question, I was, I was expecting like the, 14 i'm riding the base on my subway and i, I, oh, I used to do to that this. too yeah, and yeah, then yeah. i got this like i was expecting like
3: i used to take my sub, my bass on like, the subway in a cardboard box i had a big cardboard <laughs> box I, I didn't have a uh, case i couldn't afford yeah, a yeah, case yeah, yeah. you know just the fact that my mother bought me a bass when i was little was great first i had my brother's bass but then my mother bought me my red bass she bought it for me as like a, a birthday present <clears throat> so she bought me that but i had no case so i carry it in a cardboard box
1: Back then, <laughs> that might have been a
0: good
3: idea. <laughs> yeah, take it on the train. You have to like hold yeah. it underneath and walk on the but train s- with it. Nobody's going to no it.
0: Yeah. No one knew what is it that was. The no, is the, the head it? would stick out. The head. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Is that the bit? Ba- I had a poster <clears throat> you guys in my wall growing up. I think it was maybe the red, chopped built up to base. Last. Yeah, it had like all. Uh, it was yeah, kind yeah, of wood, yeah, wood underneath. Yeah, yeah. I stared at that when I tried to fall asleep oh wow
3: <laughs> not in a creepy way that'll that that keep you awake right? that'll keep you awake did That's you a great see base. a
0: lot of those uh early anthrax shows through your brother oh uh, yeah like when they like i think
3: i saw their first or second show it was in like saint john's church in flushing queens they did like all covers you know they did like they did like an hour of covers so i went to see that and it was like they were like a cover band you know they did like old british new wave of british heavy metal and some some rock songs as well. I remember going to see Danny Loker, had this band called White Heat. This was like probably 1980, 80, 81. And uh, I'd go see him and play at like my father's place out on Long Island. And they would play like a local VFW hall and they did like Van Halen and, you know, like uh, Queen songs and Van, you know, like they did like metal and rock songs. And I was like a little kid, I was like, this is awesome.
2: Yeah. Was that your entry into music was pretty much 70s 70s rock stuff pretty much when I was like six years old
3: my brother brought home the first Sabbath album and like in like uh, 76 I think he brought it home and him and his friend Lyman who was uh, a he was like a real 70s troublemaker Lyman you know (laughs) like old school troublemaking kid you know. And uh they what they did was they played it, they locked me in a room when I was like five or six years old, turned the lights off on a rainy day, oh, played the rec played the song Black Sabbath, and I was like crying in the room and they, they let me out. And then a week later I was like you know, I was like, You guys are assholes. And a week later I was like, I wanna to listen to it again. I wanna to listen to it again, and then I was into Sabbath, you know what wow. I
2: mean? That's awesome. They did, like, with a Sabbath album, like what my brother did to me with, like, Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah. Like, they thought it was that spooky. But if you said
3: The Exorcist, I I still get that scared watching The Exorcist. That thing just gets you, man.
2: Yeah, that movie fucks me up. Crazy. (coughs) Possession's weird. Weird. Possession, I don't know. Taps
3: into something deep like sharks, you know what I mean? (laughs) Just scares you deep.
2: Creeps me out. It does, it does. It does, I wonder. Joni, you ever... Have been possession? possessed? Have yeah. been bit by a shark? Have you ever been on
1: think... a chick that seemed like she was possessed? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Just ask me if you had an Italian girlfriend.
4: <laughs> well, I don't think I have. I don't Go think on, I have. Jonah, offense, Italy. Jonah never kisses and tells.
2: He doesn't tell us. So I need clarification hmm. on something that's become like an all-time historical story. And then also like tall tale in yes, a lot of ways it sounds like
3: one that would be embellished. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and it's intro. funny
2: you're wearing that hat because I think that's the place it happened. Okay. So, do you know or were you there during the head in the bag story?
3: For, that wasn't Detroit. That happened in. That wasn't Detroit. Now I thought it happened in Pittsburgh, okay. but just we were just talking about this the other day <clears throat> with with some with this band. I forget who it was, but Lou, was, Lou, and, Lou and Pete were telling it to this guy, and I think it was somewhere in Ohio, but I could have sworn it was in Pittsburgh at the Electric okay. Banana. <clears throat> but what happened was I wasn't there. This is before I played in Sick of it all. I was Playing in AF at this time it was in the eighties. They played a gig. Some dude comes running. There was woods across the street. That's why I thought it was the Electric Banana. Oh, okay. Pittsburgh. Woods across the street. Dude comes walking out of the woods with like a paper bag or something like that, and it's all wet. And uh, the the guy's yelling something or whatever, and he's saying how there's a head in the bag. And they're all like, yeah, show it to us if there's a head in the bag. That's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And the guy pulls a human head out of the bag, puts it back in. Everybody runs. They get in their cars. They leave. And it turns out, like, it was in the paper, like, a day or two later that some guy murdered somebody, cut their head off in the town where it happened. So it was, like, some, like, crazy dude, like, you know. And the dude was all boasted about it being like, you know, aggressive, you know? Yeah, like, look at my head in this bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, they said he was kind of like out of his mind. Seemed like a crazy guy. Yeah, Yeah. really? Cut somebody's head off, you know?
2: Well, that's like too. I mean, you know, we loosely say like cut somebody's head off, but no, like, literally, cut think some- of like the physical process of taking. I mean, yeah, just ask by. OJ; it's got to be rough. You know <laughs> no <what I> mean? <laughs> joke. It's no joke. Wait, he cut someone's head off.
3: <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> cut his up. ex-wife's head off. That was like a, <laughs> oh so dude, God, her was head like- was hanging by like Jesus. some skin and a little bit yeah. of like a little uh, sinew. I didn't know that. Yeah, Sine- I didn't either.
1: Just a little sinew. I think just- both of them, right? I think uh, Ron uh, Goldman too. He he, I don't, don't know if he almost, cut Ron Goldman's head. He cut he one like of their heads basically
3: off, it. and the other one he like <sighs> stabbed them so badly. Yeah, you know that's some nasty. People shit. People say that his son did it, and there's like some weird conspiracy thing. There's on OJ's son? Yeah, OJ's right. son OJ conspiracy. They say OJ's son did it, and OJ covered for him. How old
4: Ooh. was
2: his son then?
4: It's his his older son oh, from right. the first man. Supposedly he was disturbed, man. or whatever. Why, what? Just
2: because he had smaller gloves. This bullshit. What?
3: Listen, the glove thing is pretty obvious. It was wet outside. The leather got wet and it shrunk. It's pretty. Oh,
4: yeah. yeah. Pretty and he like holds his hand True. wide open to try to put it on. Yeah, you know, listen, the guy. It's hilarious. Yeah. No. <laughs> the
3: guy, you know, th- my take on it is the guy has a, a malformed frontal lobe, which is where your impulse control lies. So when he gets aggressive, he probably blacks out and just sort of lost his shit.
2: You think could be football related? Like CTE kind uh, of stuff? I don't stuff? know.
3: I have no idea. I mean, maybe who knows? You never know. I never thought of that. But I just I know dudes that have like uh rage issues mm. and if you, if you know anything about that, it's a, it's all from a malformed frontal lobe. But mm. at least it it's that's that's the physical definition of it. You can
1: see it. it like on a cat scan or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: There's all shows on it. I first got turned on to that, I've been watching all these shows about it and I was like you know, saying things like "this guy must have a malformed frontal lobe because he's fucking crazy." <laughs> <laughs> is that something you're born with? Or <laughs> you stay away from developed. that guy. Is that I, think a you, I think you're born with it, lobe. but you can, it can happen from an injury as well. But you're kind of born from it, huh. born with it.
1: Wow, Jesus. it's like a strange thing. So then, it could be genetic too, maybe.
3: Very possibly. I mean, you black out. People that black out and go into blind rage. I don't really go into. Bl- I've gone into blind rages a few times in my life, but it's not something like that. It just happens when I get mad. It's very rare. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, <clears throat> I would think that in a person like myself that doesn't, I would assume, doesn't have a malformed frontal lobe, it's only going to happen to me when something really crazy happens where I have to really go off. You know what I mean? But some people, like, you know, they spill their coffee and they're ready to cut right, somebody's right. head off down to
0: the sinew. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what What was sort of the New York music scene like, I guess, like in like the late 80s when you guys formed Sick of It All? Yeah. Uh, it
3: was starting to grow. By the late 80s, it was already pretty popular. It was like suburban kids coming down. It was really popular. Early 80s, it, when I first went to shows, it was just, it was like clove, cigarette, punk rock, trench coat. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like punks and skins. You know right. what I mean? It was like that. But by the late 80s, it had already expanded quite a bit. And uh, a lot of suburban kids into it. Myself being one of them. Well, you know, Queens, borough kid. And... uh yeah, it, it grew a lot by the late 80s. It was cool. I mean, you know, the whole music, the whole hardcore scene in New York, to me, was just a great thing all the way through. There were some years where it got a little cloudy, but I was always drawn to it, you know what I mean?
2: Was that something like during that time when it started to grow and kids started to come from out of town to shows, was like people inside the scene like resentful of the growth? Or <laughs> no, like not really. Not,
3: a, little bit, a little bit in spots, but not, not really, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was wel- welcomed with open arms and... Uh, as long as you came in cool and humble, that was never a problem. I mean, certain kids in the night, ni- a lot of kids that were around and came in in ni- 87, 88. There was like the whole beginning of the whole gangster rap influence in hardcore mm. where it became like a, a little bit violent. You had like a little bit of a gang mentality. Hip hop uh, had like an influence. Uh, there was a positive hip hop influence and there was a negative hip hop mm. influence, you know. It was, uh, both sides of that coin were represented. So you got kids that would come in and right away they'd try to steal somebody's shirt, try to steal somebody's boots. Right. You know what I mean? It was like almost like an extension of the earlier skinhead thing. Huh. So you got some weird stuff that went on, but, uh, you know, half the guys that came in and tried to do that wound up getting beat up the first time and then became friends with everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of the guys like who are like known names from like the later generation like that yeah. came in, got their ass, did something stupid, got their asses kicked. Came back, you know, a couple weeks later, and everybody was like, okay, cool, whatever. I Is it. there
2: any of those no names you're allowed to say?
3: Yeah, Saab. Saab's sob, first show. He, he uh, I don't know if it was his first show, but... Tommy Carroll, from you know my old band Straight okay. Ahead, was yeah. dancing, and uh, Saab and a bunch of other young young kids at the time, like jumped on him because he had long hair at the time. Tommy grew his hair out, so they they jumped on him, and a couple guys tried to get him. So Tommy waited outside, and a bunch of guys came outside, and Tommy was going off, and he was like talking all this shit, and he's like, anyone wants to fight me, I'll fuck you all up, blah blah blah. Step up, blah blah blah, and they were all like scared, and uh, Tommy went to walk away, and Sob goes, uh, I'll fight, oh. and Tommy just beats the shit out of him. Like, <laughs> Ripped him, you know, stuck his fingers in his nose, dragged him up the street after he beat him down. Ooh. Ooh. Beat him down bad, but Saab came back. Rest his soul, Saab. Sob was my friend. God bless him. And, uh, you know, he came back, and he was cool. You know, we we joked about it for years after that. <laughs> you know, we like Tommy would make jokes. They would make jokes to each other. It was, a, you know. Said to take your one. It, uh, you know, if you, he looked for it, and he got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. No big deal.
0: <laughs> What's it like for you? Like, obviously, like, you know, uh, like... John Joseph Harley Roger, all these guys have written these memoirs. Like, do you read those? And is that like a trip down memory lane?
3: Uh, I read John's book; it was excellent. I'm in the process of reading Roger's book right now. Uh, When Roger was doing his book, he was talking to myself and Maddie Henderson a lot about his stories. So he was like, "Hey, read this story. Is this how it was? Do you remember? You know, like, hey, what do you Mm -hmm. think?" Like, so Maddie and I were like, sort of chiming in on his stories. To help him shape him a little bit memory wise you know what I mean,
2: just to make sure like he was remembering it right, and...
3: yeah, I even wrote a couple things for him and sent them to him. they you know they got changed in editing, but it was just to like, hey, this is what I remember, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, so he he was trying to put his notes together when he was getting close to the end to make sure everything was, was was kosher, so uh, the little bit I've read of it so far, I think it's great. John's book was great, I never read Harley's book. But uh,
0: when's the Craig Satari memoir coming out
3: you know what it is too many people are doing it it's happening so many people are doing it that I think it would be like I'm flooding the waters but I, I would write a book but it, my book would probably be a little different if I wrote a book if I wrote a book because I I'd I'd talk about my childhood a lot my childhood there's a lot of stories from my childhood that of why I got into this and all mm. that and uh, I have a lot I have a lot more tour stories than anybody else. Maybe not Roger, because Roger has a lot. A lot of my tour stories, a lot of my best tour stories are probably in Roger's book, so that kind of messes it up for me. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? A lot yeah, of my yeah. craziest stories will already yeah, be in Roger's. Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to tell the story in Roger's book now because it's, you know, the story <laughs> of, of those days. But uh, I think I would write a good book. I think it would be uh, less tough. It would be less tough. You know what I mean?
2: Well, I mean, I think. I'm that's not into
3: a- the whole tough thing too much, even though. Yeah, I boxed for years, and I can fight. I just don't like to talk about that too much. You know what I mean? Sure. What's tough? All about I'd rather have fun.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what's up. What mm. uh, I was curious about, sick of it all. Obviously, that alleyway—the symbol—is so iconic. I mean, how did that kind of come about?
3: That's a uh, that's actually flash tattoo, uh, a tattoo flash from I think Greg Irons, <clears throat> and we started using it a long time ago, and it actually became our property after a certain number of years of us using it. Oh, okay. It became ours and we were able to file trademark on it. So we own it now.
2: Is that when, did that happen during the whole thing with mob deep? No, like... it was before that we owned it before that. Oh, you did. Yeah. Mob
3: deep wound up using it too. It's a cool symbol. They liked it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, they weren't some of the people that we knew that worked at their label were hardcore people and explained it to them, so everything worked out all right. You
2: know what I mean? Yeah, I, that never like got to a weird point. No, right? they used it a little bit. I think they
3: might have used it once after that. But listen, it's not like, uh, hey, you can't you know you can't use that. It's it's our thing. We're known for it. They understood that, and they probably used it a little bit because it was there. They were also uh, known b- with it to a degree. So sure. as long as they don't try to claim it indefinitely forever, since we technically own it. You know, it was all cool. We actually did a song with them. Yeah. On that, uh, Rockers Against Rappers, no, 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 that was something else. That was a boxing thing. <laughs> That's something else. Rockers Against Rappers was a boxing thing that Kevin Kelly, the former featherweight champion, was doing. Yeah. Really? And uh, he wanted me to fight uh, Parrish from uh, EPMD, who outweighed <laughs> me by 40 pounds. It never oh, happened. Uh, but he, I was an actual amateur boxer, you know what I mean? So, But a dude that outweighs you by 40 pounds, and he boxed a little bit too. So when a guy outweighs you by 40 pounds, it's pretty rough. And that dude's big. You ever see him? No. At the time, I weighed 147. I was a welterweight, so I was, small. <laughs> But anyway, we did that song with uh with, with Mob Deep. That was something else. I got the names confused. Yeah, yeah. Just what? little weird stories pop out. I, <laughs> What's more
0: like nerve wracking for you, like playing like a huge festival show with Sick of It All, or like having to like fight someone? No, nah, nothing.
3: Someone? Neither one's nerve wracking. Really? If you're boxing, if you're if you're prepared, if you're really, really in shape, you're not worried about anything. There's nothing to worry about.
0: Really? You're not like, oh, I hope I don't get hurt really No, bad. no, no, no.
3: You're doing it every day. When when I used to box, you're sparring every single, you're sparring three days a week, and when you're, if you're gonna actually fight like in an exhibition or something like that, you're like fighting hard. You're going in with the strongest, fastest guys you can find to be the best you can be. So, you know, I would look at it like nobody's hitting me harder than than uh nobody's nobody's beating the beating the shit out of me the way my coach Ed would beat the shit out of me. Nobody's hitting me harder than this other friend of mine Jay would hit me, and then you know all these other guys. You know, at my weight, it's like I was going in with guys who were 100 times better than the level I would be fighting against. So it was no big deal. You were totally used to it.
2: Were you actually trying to take boxing to a to no, level the way past I, the amateur? Or? No, no, no. With the Boxing was something
3: I always, my friends, I grew up in Queens, and Bayside, and Sean Graham was my best friend growing up. And uh, his uncle was Billy Graham, who was the welterweight from the 50s. Who's okay. a, they called him the Uncrowned Champ. He beat Kid Gaviland. He beat Sugar Ray Robinson in the amateurs. He was a top welterweight in the 1950s. So, his, his uh, my friend Sean's father, Jack, was Billy's brother. He was a New York State uh, deputy athletic commissioner. So, when I was little, Sean, they would always do boxing stuff. And I was like, I don't care about that. I don't want to play music. And then, at a certain age, when I got to be about 17 or whatever, 18, I went with him once to the fights and I was hooked and his father hooked me up with a trainer and I got into that. And that was just a hobby. I always felt like uh, it made me feel confident. It made me feel good. You know, I was always like a a pretty shy, introverted kid up to the point where I got into boxing and up to the point where I joined AF and got into boxing. I was very introverted. Even though you
2: were like already out playing shows and Yeah, but I was very quiet and very
3: shy. You know what I mean? Like I I was very non-confrontational. Then once I got to be an AF, I kind of learned – They had like a rougher edge to me, you know what I mean? Sure. And the whole boxing thing, I was able to learn how to to use my hands very well. I actually was really good with boxing at at a certain point. And uh, that's all I did when I was off tour. All I did was box. I was young, so I was fit. I would come home. I would run till I puked. I'd go to the gym, work out for a week, and then spar anybody. You know what I mean? I'd box this guy, that guy, that guy. The Golden Gloves would come up. I'd box everybody. But I was never really competing because I was always on tour. Right, right. So outside of like fighting in the gym, you know what I mean. I'd fight in different gyms. I'd go to some different gyms, and and you know there'd be some exhibition type stuff. But it's you know always. None a bro- of your
2: dudes would fuck with you on the road. No, no. no. These are your friends. No, no, not not in a real way. But you both glove up a little. and mess No, no, the, never, the... never. Not no, 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 no <laughs> never, never. No. Who like who in sick of it all? That's do you a think boxing is its own thing. Could it's a actually stay thing. in a ring the longest with you. Like if you had the glove, nah. like, I don't know, man, That's a <laughs> who, question. Would, who would hold
3: up the listen, longest? Listen, listen, let me explain something to you. I am not in shape. Look at my gut. This is, um, I had a bunch of knee surgeries. I can't even run anymore. When I was young, I was into it. Now yeah. I still do it to stay in shape, but it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't apply. a okay. pizza a jujitsu guy and he's right. very, very fit. Yeah. Dude, he'll still be he'll still be like move, he'll still be bouncing around while I'm like totally out of breath. The guy's <laughs> fit as a fiddle. We yeah. talked
0: about his workout routine a lot.
4: Yeah, he's fit as a fiddle. Yeah. He's into it. Yeah, definitely. What do you Hang think it. about like the crossover kind of happening now, like the Mayweather or the like McGregor Mayweather? Uh, you know, that was cool. Yeah, give it a shot. I mean, I, I knew was Mayweather fun. was going
3: to kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. think Mayweather carried him to the tenth. And sure uh, the did. reason he did you know, this is what tells me that he says. Right after the fight, he goes, yeah, I tried to put 400000 on myself to win in nine and a half rounds. Why would he ever say that? And he goes, oh, the casino said I couldn't. It was illegal. He knows that. Why would he say that? The reason he said that is it's a cover because he had one of his boys go and probably bet like $4 million or something um, <laughs> to stop him in nine and a half rounds. He picked the later rounds because he knew by the 10th he'd be able to stop him no matter what because – you know, yeah. even okay. Let's say the guy's tricky; he runs away. Let's say the guy, you know, holds a lot. Right. Whatever. By the tenth, he by knows. Ten, he, by even. ten, he knows he, knows he can sleep. stop him. Yeah. No matter what the guy does, if the guy runs or does whatever, so he put money on it, and he's like, "All right." <laughs> if you notice in the first couple rounds, I got to say the other guy, you know, did better than I thought he would. Yeah, same. But uh, Mayweather, he was he kept slipping to his left. But was that theater? He kept slipping I was to his left, and he and the and the the, the Irish guy has his, had his left his his right hand out far. So Mayweather's dipping to his left. He could have cranked that left hook and knocked him out way earlier than he did. But you saw him hesitate. He wasn't pulling the trigger on it. And I was thinking, he doesn't want to stop him. Right. He's just touching him up. Uh, so I think he, he probably probably have stopped him in six, five to seven. You know the first three, though. I got to say, the first two or three, the Irish guy was like awkward. When somebody's awkward, you can look
4: really bad in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. His just his stance was awkward. Yeah, you it was know, he k- real weird. Keeps
3: his hands kept out doing far. Doing that rabbit
4: punches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's MMA stuff. Punches. But
3: he keeps his hands out far because of the distance of kicking when they kickbox. You know what I mean? Right. It's a different. It's a different thing. It's it's
2: it's you know, and it makes it awkward. You know what I mean? Maybe you could illuminate this for me. So. So Floyd Mayweather is like in this room, right? He's in front of us. He's all gloved up. He's got this, and I let him hit me once. <laughs> <laughs> if, like, am I on my feet? <laughs> Where in your face? Like, what, like, what do I depends look like by the end him. of that? Have have like, ever, I don't. Have you
4: ever play Mike Tyson's punch? you. Yeah. It yeah. It it
3: Huh? What are we talking about? Is he is he taking two steps and hitting you on the chin yeah, from the like ground he, up? And then yeah, like he's like
2: allowed to do whatever he wants. Yeah, like well, if you're he's... gonna if you're gonna
3: like tie yourself to a telephone pole, you're gonna be out cold. But <laughs> if done, if he just like puts his hands up and you put your hands up and he throws one punch,
2: I might get out of that. Yeah, but he's, 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 not, not, he's just, not like yeah, a
3: massive puncher. He's just but, real sharp. But just stick
2: the face out and like uh, yeah, it doesn't take a
3: lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot to take somebody out, just, especially if you don't see it coming. If the only times. The only times I ever got hurt really bad were when I got hit with a shot I didn't see. Mm. I've been hit by crazy heavy punches. Boom, boom, boom. I'll go rounds with them and, you know, you feel them, but you're all right. But when you get hit, you can get hit with a punch that's not even that hard. If you don't see it, it hurts mm. you.
4: I feel like, yeah, when you see a boxer get like an uppercut to the chin that You don't see, see uppercuts. That hurts you.
3: And even if it's not hard, if you get hit in the right Just way, the when right you don't way. see it, it hurts you. <clears throat> if you see it coming, it's not that bad.
0: Have you ever gotten, like, injured on stage with people, like, stage driving or, Hells like... Hells yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand times.
3: Uh, the the mags we played a show in, um... Uh, it was a festival in Belgium, I think. Grozrock Rock, maybe? Yeah, I think it was Grozrock Rock a few years ago. And, uh... Yeah, I do that thing where I step with my left foot on the monitor... And I kind of kick my leg up. We make jokes. I call it the Sebastian Bach. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a little joke thing that we do. I started just doing that. At one point, I was out, my uh, my back was hurting, so I was doing that to be active on stage. Funny. He was laughing. He's like, you look like Sebastian Bach doing that. I was like, it's like the Sebastian Bach kick. I was like, yeah, all right.
5: <laughs> That's so all right.
3: I, so I step on the monitor, and I kind of throw the bass in the air. You know, I kind of hit a chord and th- throw my right side up in the air. And it kind of, you know. Whatever. So I, so I kind of did that at a egg show and this kid runs up behind me and as I'm coming off the monitor, which is angled, as you know, the kid's behind me so I can't step on the ground. So the timing of me stepping on the ground wasn't there because the kid was like running hunched over. And uh, I wound up coming down on the side of my foot and basically, like, tearing all the tendons from my foot uh, up my shin, you know, on the outside like that. Basically, like, my uh, my big toe kind of touched the inside of my shin pretty uh, much. And spot. it's I got pictures of it. It's crazy. It, look like, it looks like my foot swallowed a purple tennis ball.
2: So did you just drop on stage just, like, I, well, mid-song?
3: I, well, I, can't, I, I wasn't able to really stand because the angle I came down yeah. on, I hit the ground, I rolled. I sat there for a second and pushed myself up. And I couldn't walk, so I just kind of stood there on one leg and finished the show. <laughs> it was like shit. four songs left. I finished playing, and then I went to the hospital. Nice, yeah. well done. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, if you're all adrenaline now. You don't really, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. I knew something was wrong, but it would hurt, but it wasn't like you're excited. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: adrenaline counts for a lot. Man. A lot. <laughs> this makes me proud. Like half my family is from Queens, so when you, okay, you when go. you tell tough stories, tough, I'm like is. I'm like ah, I'm like, it's that's right. Tough. That's it's just up. you know that's what's up. dude. It's like a guy from Kings of Leon walked off stage when a bird shit on his head. <laughs> you, you ripped your fucking leg apart and you stayed up for dude, four songs. That's you're, good. You're, that's you're good. a musician, saying. so
3: you understand when you're into something. Yeah, when you're into p- performing and hardcore music's physical. It's like it's like strong music. Yeah. You get psyched up. Like boxing, one get psyched up.
2: It's it's strong.
3: Yeah. It's hard. You got to, you know, I feel like so in the moment. You don't yeah. really feel anything bad. There I am cutting you off. See that?
2: No, no, no. You're right, though. I played a show once, my own tough story, where I had a cut on my arm that required five stitches Ooh. that I played through the show and went to the hospital afterwards. Did you, wow. But I got it in a way dumber way. I was going under a bus to get my baseball gloves to play catch with Chuck Reagan. Oh, wow. <laughs> Chuck's great. I and, love Chuck. And, uh, just have saying? a little soft toss, you know, <laughs> with Chuck, with Uncle Chuck. And uh Yeah. And uh I go, I open the hatch and my elbow hits fucking apparatus on the bus bump. That sucks. And yeah. and wound up with ricks it open. St- stitches.
0: I used on my to bring elbows. mitts, you know, gloves and
3: mitts on tour and I oh, would yeah. I would do the pads, you know, focus pads, I would do the pads with Chuck when we toured with him back in the That's uh, cool. Whatever year that was. That's a person. that on, <laughs> on Saturday. Hot water. <laughs> Hits like a train. He's strong. Oh, he just turns
0: into a wolf. Very, very when strong. Very he doesn't strong, even. Very yeah, strong.
3: It's not even. It's animal like. Yeah, he's very strong. We call yeah. him the general because oh. like the stars on his shoulders.
2: He one yeah. time, and he's got this like moral authority that you can't fuck with. So like that voice too. Yeah, it's just like it's like your dad is just yelling at you. Of, Chuck's yeah. yelling it. At... One time we were touring with Chuck, and someone snuck onto our bus, and jumped into my bunk. Like, just a rando. And, what? you know, a couple people... And like, you were
0: in the bunk? I wasn't like in a, Like a like,
2: music was, fan,
3: or like a homeless dude?
2: No, like a music... Like a drunk dude at the show. Okay. Who thought it would be funny in his stupid drunk brain. And he kind of, like, just runs on the bus, like, jumps in a bunk, thinking it would be funny. A bunch of people start losing their shit. Runs right out, and starts running down the street. My guys are all like, motherfucker, get the a, fuck out of here. That's a big violation. All of a sudden, Chuck... Just out of nowhere, he's like, what happened? Just starts hauling ass after him. Oh, wow. The guy's already well gone. And, I, you know, I thought this was going to end. And literally, Chuck didn't beat him up. He just, like, <coughs> talked. Explained like, he just to him. shamed him. Yeah. He, like, <laughs> he stopped him in the street and was just like, this he is the reason him. why you're horrible and you should never do this again. It wasn't physical. It was impressive. But he's wow. so menacing in those ways that, like... And I'm sitting there, my OCD is going fucking nuts knowing some rando is just in my bunk. I have to like, de-sanitize the whole thing. Yeah, that really sucks. Disgusting okay what's it like oh, I, had a, I had a story about oh, no go ahead yeah, yeah tell one please. time we were
3: it was late at night and we were playing some festival and this drunk scottish guy came up to our bus like hey go. she had his shirt off the guy was gigantic <laughs> okay the guy was probably 25 years old built like a tank six foot four okay. 200 plus he's like hey, let me get a beer let me and, and the driver's like no get the fuck out of here the driver's cursing at him so the guy wants to fight the driver and the guy's like coming on the bus so okay. I, I was the only guy on the bus oh no so I'm like, hey, hey. And the guy looks at me, I go, What are you doing, man? I go, This is my house. I just talked to him calm because the guy was a monster. I was like, yeah. I was like half asleep sitting there. Like I was like, oh God, I don't want to deal with it. Everyone else was out seeing some band play. It was like two in the morning. I was like, this is the worst idea ever. So I talked to the guy for like 30 seconds and the guy was cool. You know, he looked All right, mate. All right, mate. I was like, Yeah, okay. it's my house. I go, It's cool. I go, I'll give you a beer. Yeah. Just ask. I gave yeah. him a beer had the refrigerator. I was like, it's cool. You know, and the guy left. I was like, <laughs>
4: Wow, that could have been rough. Well, don't swear to Scots. You must, yeah, you gotta yeah.
3: watch. Man, the guy was hyped up too. He was like, big, big <laughs> freckly dude with no shirt on, like all built up. He's like, oh, you not, must got yeah, was no gifts. Yeah, you don't want bad. to mess with Scottish, man. They'll crush
1: you like a wallop. Plus, you <laughs> can't understand a word they say. It's <laughs> terrifying. Rough. It's like
2: another language.
4: I think bars in Edinburgh, you're not, there's no swear. If you swear, they'll kick you out because it oh, leads right. to fights.
2: And crap, I've heard, so I've heard from an inside source that you are a classic tour water hoarder that you believe in <laughs> hydration and everywhere you go, you take an excess Absolute amount truth. of waters and hide them in your bunk? Is this real?
3: I do. Uh, <laughs> I, I've calmed down over the years, but here's what I do. I make sure, because the, there's nothing worse than not having enough water. Oh, so yeah. Are you, Armand always makes fun of the way I say water. He says I say water. Oh. So I always go water, water. So water. I say, trying to say water. Oh, But um, I always make sure the four corners of my bunk have the largest possible bottles of, of water in them, and I'll sometimes line even the, the whole p- foot. in your I'll, head, your head corners. I want, I want. Wow, one, one on each of the four corners, and I'll try to line the bottom, the, where my feet are, with with bottles. Have you ever played? Baseball? You got you gotta have two liters. Uh, excuse me, two, three liters, two liter and a half bottles as a minimum every day on standby.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh. Have you
3: ever played, ba-
0: <laughs> you ever played bass? you played for H2O? Because it sounds like it would fit great with your whole never. water. Oh, no. Never, no. <laughs> never
5: did. No.
3: Oh, I'm surprised that fish. you. Let's go through like you. you <coughs> Actually, play- I think I did the first time they ever did a song live. It was just Toby as a sick of it all roadie. Oh uh, uh, yeah! I might have played bass, and he came up and did a song like at a show when we had no opening band. So I might have played bass T- for him once at their first. Well, you've played in kind of show
0: in so many bands. I mean, can you really keep track even? <coughs> yeah, yeah. I pretty much know most. of Yeah, I pretty much know all the bands I was in. Yeah, yeah. You want to list them
1: so <coughs> that we don't have to write them in the notes, show notes. <laughs>
3: uh Hardcore bands that like in the hardcore scene. I'll tell you all of those. Uh, band called NYC Mayhem. That later uh, was Straight Ahead, Youth of Today, um, Agnostic Front, Rest in Pieces, um, Sick of It All, Creep Division, and uh, this new version of the Chrome Eggs.
1: Wait, who was Creep Division?
3: It was a band I sang for.
1: Mm-hmm. who else was in that band uh it was anybody from that state? two of the
3: guys from good riddance myself and a guy named joe fish who was in a band called redfish yeah. so when sick of it all and uh good riddance toured together in australia there was no opening band for one of the shows so chuck and i chuck you know chuck uh platt mm-hmm. we, he mm-hmm. was like you know let's let's do a band for the show tonight so we wrote like three or four songs in the dressing in the, the hotel room and Russ, you know, the singer for Good Riddance, was uh-huh. like, I want to be the faceless bass player. Nice. And then we were like, all right, you could be the faceless, like, early punk bass player. And then uh, I forget who played drums. I th- I think this guy Trevor played drums who used to help uh, help with Sick of It All Management. And uh, we played a couple of shows. We did covers and stuff like that. And we wore stockings on our face because we had to Trevor both-
1: from Nasty?
3: Yeah. <laughs> we, had bo- we had to both We had both play uh, afterwards, we wore stockings on our face, so like even if we knew it was a joke, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, we were like, you know, we we came back, and Chuck and myself and Rush were like, let's make a real band. So we did it. We did a, We have a full length that came out in 2001, and then we did an EP in like 2004.
2: Okay,
3: <clears throat> it's good stuff. It's yeah. a little more punk, you know. It's kind of like VFW style punk, a little Ramones meets, sure. you know.
2: Nice. I feel like even it, you know at some point in Sickwidall's career <clears throat> it started to take on a little bit more of like a melodic now i don't want to say punk cuz it's not necessarily what it was mm, kind but of. like just it got a little more punk rock and a little more melodic like yeah, But it,
3: after you do a couple of albums how are you gonna not make it all sound exactly the same you got sure. we, drew, we drew from our oi influences you know what right. i mean you yeah, draw, yeah. draw from oi influences you draw from some new wave of british heavy metal influences you know what i mean sure you draw from you draw from different things old punk bands nothing better than an old punk sing-along <laughs> you know and in new york it was always the pile up so that <laughs> those types of sounds in punk rock were there they just kind of got lost when everyone was trying to out heart each other
2: that's true you know what i mean?
3: mean so so we tried to put some of that back real chant alongs and stuff like that
2: that's right i feel like jersey was good i'll put a little exactly. credit on her name we put the the melodic back yeah into
3: hardcore. See, but we were we were always into that we were obviously you know i was never anti melody or anything never. like that i mean melody has its place you know what i mean and and people were like what do you mean when things became more metal and it became like this real like chugga chugga rough sound everything trying to be harder than everything else and then we kind of flipped the script a little bit people were like oh well what is that that's that's not blah 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 it was newer kids that didn't really know the history of punk rock
2: yeah right
3: that were shocked by that because they didn't really know you know like old oi bands and and you sure. know. They didn't
0: know any of that stuff, you know what I mean?
2: You guys lived lived it through.
0: Yeah, we
3: were into that. That was yeah. like our
2: some
0: of our roots, you know what I mean? Sure. Do you have do you still have a lot of your old records and stuff?
3: Uh, probably. I don't really have a turntable, but I have a bunch of stuff in my mother's attic, like tons of boxes that are probably completely warped. I have like like dozens of unopened like straight ahead records and stuff like that, and I have like you know, uh Pay to come seven inch. Like got fucking eBay gold
2: records. up there. But I was <laughs> never, I
3: was never like a collector, so I have the records I like that didn't just constantly, you know. Yeah. Like yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. in youth of today, those dudes were like serious record collectors. I was like, well, I'm not really. I li- I listened to them. I listened to it. They were like really seriously into it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. 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 We did a podcast with Ray uh, about yoga and stuff. It was really cool. He's serious with yoga. Yeah. It he <laughs> was no always joke. like super super flexible. Yeah. The dude could
3: <laughs> even then. Even then, but now you know he's like a yoga instructor for yoga instructors, Yeah, he's and
2: and like stuff. seriously Yeah, he's like last time I saw it. Shelter, he was just he was just ripping it right on stage. Dude's like, like really flexible. Yeah, he's like, he like a level
4: that's like he looks like he can float real high.
2: Yeah, I love that shit. What do you think though about like like the modern? One of my two big issues I have with modern hardcore are one the need to put some kind of like melodic sing along into every chorus like every single chorus like like and the people who write breakdowns licensing. <laughs> without fast parts like like do you
3: you're talking about like uh like pure stomp yeah, like, a, it, like rung, 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 all E bar I mean, chord. And I mean, then you talk about the other bands that do that for the breakdown and then have the melodic chorus every time. Right. And yeah. it's like not even like a cool melodic chorus. It's like the same cookie cutter yeah. melodic chorus.
2: With like the white guy singing voice thing. Like, do, 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 do. Yeah, that's like, like that that thing. Thing.
3: that's like the not so new thing, I guess. You know yeah. What I mean? Some oh, of those bands Chasing are okay, Kays though. You know the I mean?
2: millennial howl. I was just listening to Hate hey the other day right? and I'm like, you know what? But hate hey, breed. Hey, this pre, is how it's done. Yes,
3: that's how it's, that's this a, hey, how thank it's done. This <laughs> is how it's done.
5: Like, you.
3: If you want to play like real smash your brains in shit like metal, smash yeah. your brains in with with the hardcore edge. That's the yeah. band that, that Cause does. You go
2: fast part to two step to fast part to two step, then the breakdown. <laughs> yeah, 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 how yeah, are yeah. you going to get a wall of death going? How are you going to do any <laughs> of this? Right, you're right without without these setups. Right? Yeah,
3: Jonah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You must agree. And they, they, have, do a, agree. they have
3: they have a nice they have a nice uh, swing to them. Yeah, they have a good swing. drum I, very I, good.
2: I can't listen to hey Breed without just like kind of losing my shit a little bit. Even if I'm in like a car, can't, or... I
3: actually can't listen to Hatebreed. I could see them live, but I can't listen to them. No. No, I'm not going to put on a Hatebreed record, but I'll see them live. I'll I'll see them live. Dude, I play so many shows with all these bands for so many years. You think I want to go home and listen to stuff that's going to break my What do you listen
0: to when you go home? it's just you hanging out? I listen to
3: R&B. Yeah. Like old Motown stuff. And I... uh, You know, I play along the bass to that stuff because I love that stuff. Oh, wow. Nice scales. I can't play all... Some
1: good fucking bass players.
3: Jameson, Jamerson's the best. But some of those lines, like, you listen to some of those lines, (laughs) you don't even know what they are. And then Mm -hmm. when you figure them out, you're like, he's doing all that. He's doing... Like, I'll give you an example. Like like Stevie Wonder, I Was Made to Love Her. Mm -hmm. The bass line in that is so busy. Meanwhile... The song is just kind of rolling along. Like, if you didn't think about yeah, it and then yeah, yeah. you figure out that bass line, you're like, there's almost like no time to get he the notes on in. That. Yeah. Was that Stevie
4: playing on that? Because I know he played. I don't know a lot who played on bass. bass on that. He played everything on right. a few records.
3: Those guys. I don't, I don't know who played bass. Was that Jamerson on that cut? It cup? might have been. It might have been. But it's badass. It's something like that. Like, <clears throat> And sometimes the bass will be so mellow and so back, and other times it'll push so hard. It's crazy.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah no, that's. The best example of we just had
4: to do uh, covers of Four Tops. (coughs) I love Um, the Four Tops. Oh yeah, what's like what? I'll be there. Oh really, dude? That bass line is insane.
1: (coughs) Yeah, it's crazy
4: insane to get the feel of it. Yeah, the
1: feel is what it is, man. You can't do it.
3: It's all about. It's all about the drummer. Mackie plays all that stuff like perfectly. That's his like original style. Really, Really? Mm. he plays that.
4: That's, like, that's so
3: cool. Like he plays yeah. that at like a high professional level. He kills it with that. Really? Kills it. That's surprising. He just when I, whenever I'm like, yo, let's play this." He's like, "Yeah, yeah whatever. You can't play that."
5: Ah! And he's totally dis- <laughs>
3: and I guess I'm, at the level he's played it at with the cats, he's played it with, he's right. I'm just saying, like, you know, give me a shot. Come let's on. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> there you go.
2: Do you find that like, um, you know, because of? Sick with all having oh i listen to
3: some old punk and old early hardcore like yeah. i'll listen to like united blood seven inch and like you know like stuff like that you know what i mean i'll listen to like old punk and, and old hardcore sometimes too because that, that gets me psyched okay you know what i mean like if i play if i'm like in my car driving i listen now i'm like fuck yeah brings you back yeah it gets me psyched you know what i mean that's awesome. and i'll, I'll listen i'll listen to some like uh I'll listen to motorhead Like old, old heavy metal, Aerosmith, I love, Sabbath, Sabbath, never, I never get tired of Sabbath. I can listen to Sabbath all day.
2: Just trapped in that room. Dio Dio
3: Sabbath? (laughs) It's not even, it's not, it's not even, Dio Sabbath is great too. Dio's great, man. But, uh, you know, old Sabbath, but yeah, Dio Sabbath is great. But when I listen to that stuff, it's usually when I'm driving. When I'm home, I don't listen to as much music. When I'm home, I chill out. When I'm driving, I'll listen to music. When I'm doing stuff, or if I'm working out, I'll listen to music, you know what I mean?
2: Uh what I was gonna ask before is like, do you think with like Sigrid with All having such a a long and steady career at this point, like, does it take like an intentional ignoring of trends at that point? Like where, you know, would it have hurt, sick of it all, like through these years, to be super focused on like what's going on and what's cool <clears throat> and what people you want know, and the idea? Like, do you have to intentionally ignore that? Like, not
3: really, but the way we the way we write and play is very specific to the way we sound. Like, we could play any song and it'll sound like guys throwing garbage cans downstairs. Right. We have like a very like a uh, heavy handed way of playing. You huh. know what I mean? Sure. You know, Armand is a very heavy-handed drummer. Sure. he's not very slick or smooth, but he's very fucking uh, like machine. Yeah, he's a hard-hitting. Yeah. You know, it's it's like girders for a building to be you know erected on. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. So it's it has a specific sound when he plays. You know, uh, we just like and when, when I play with him, I lock in with him. So I play a certain way. I play. I can play different ways, but with him, it comes out sounding a certain way. Sure. It's all about me trying to play as powerfully as possible you right. know what i mean so mm-hmm. it comes out that it just comes out that way you know what i mean loose singing it's going to sound a certain way p playing guitar p plays that like kind of sloppy ripping guitar you know what i mean it's a certain sound we can't get away from that so it, it's it's we could be playing a love song and it'll sound like us you understand right. what i mean so yeah, it's not, sure. it's not, it's not as it's not as intentional as you think. You know what I mean? Right. To, to steer away from that. But if you, over the years, we have kind of, I'd say, gone with the trends a little, little bit. Like, not you don't notice it, but I notice it. There are certain parts in songs where I'll write a part. This sounds like this. Right. That, you know, I'll hear something on the radio, and I'll be influenced by a song I hear on the radio, and there'll be a part in a song that's like that. Right. But you don't hear it like that. But I know it's that. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure, it's sure. like
2: a
4: riff or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. There's this.
3: There is stuff like that.
2: That's cool.
4: I also feel like production value wise, yeah, that stuff just naturally changes record for yeah. record. You know,
3: the way I look at production though is like, all right, at first everything sounds like shit, but you look back and it's it's great. Yeah, you know, early punk stuff sounds great, but you think it sounds like shit, and then you become professional. Quote, yeah, I'm doing right. little quotes. You sound like you know Normandy sound, for example, like where that place in Rhode Island where the records were done, where Leeway did oh, their yeah. record. Uh-huh. That was where it was like, oh let's sound like professional now right. you know what i mean so you go through that little phase and you're like oh this sounds stale yeah so you become like you know and then then it's like hey let's write stuff that's really stripped down like call to arms that record that we did uh-huh. it's like stripped down you know what i mean it's yeah. like <laughs> my idea was like plug in and play just you know and write songs that are just simple and just let it rip you know mm-hmm. just just don't even try to make it anything just go so like, and then you, then you're like, oh well, we did that. Let's try this. Then we did that record with Steve Everts, that uh, Yours Truly record, and it sounds really. The production's nice on that, yeah, it's really clean, slick. which is like weird. <clears throat> and then it's like, all right, let's do this. Let's do that. And then we like uh, did a bunch of records with our producer we use now, Tua Madsen, and uh, doing stuff with him. You know, it's we were like, wow, this guy really knows what we're supposed to sound like. Yeah, but then after a while, he tries to, and we try to. Th- go further with that and then we get away from ourselves the kick drums too boo boom, too boomy and you know it sounds too like metal produced or what or too too raw metal produced right, right. so then it's like let's pull it back <clears throat> you know so it changes all the time you know what i mean it's like you're trying to switch it up a little bit you know yeah last couple of records i've been telling them like uh make the bass sound like a warm svt with growl don't don't do too much with it you know the drums need to sound more natural don't 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 make them sound like they're anything but wooden drums loud in the room sure it's almost like go back to basics you know what i
2: mean i th- i feel like i'm sure steven you, you could jump on this a little with like i feel like recording has gotten to that point where it's starting to reel back naturally where like people realize they've potentially gone too far yeah, with the th- things they were using, and that things need to get scaled back a little bit. Like I feel like a balance is starting to get found a little bit. In
4: my experience, it always comes in waves. Yeah, where it's like people go with like, "What's the newest thing?" And then it's like, "No, no, no, no." It is just what does it sound like in a room? Yeah, pretty much.
1: But the pro- you see what's ha- what happens is that these uh, these tricks, these production tricks, get get layered on these fucking bands that don't have an Armand or a U in. in, yeah. you know, and. And, and so that, then that these the records sound. come out and people go, wow, this sounds really good. And then they go see the band and the band fucking sucks. And yeah, I'm and like, you go, we should a- get that guy to do our record because we yeah. fucking sound good. And imagine what we'll sound like. And what happens is you end up sounding the
4: same. <laughs> sure. You yeah. Yeah. Know what I mean? And you go, you're a pro tool. Well, also, you're <laughs> able to recreate those there sounds live <laughs> now. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah, you, like you have not even able to. Fake you fake know? One
3: of your little slick lines. You haven't yeah, yeah, I know. Well, can't scratch I'm... the
0: surface? I had an incredible uh, step-down joke already. Yeah, that was good.
3: Yeah, that, that was good. Was I, easy. I that was coming easy. out of the door, and he goes, hey watch, <laughs> hey, watch out, and he points to a sign that says step-down. <laughs> he <goes>, hey, <laughs> <"Hey, watch
5: laughs> that was That was pretty good. I know. He's like
3: beaming now. I was really proud. I was really proud to
0: share that with you. He's from
3: Ohio. He's all excited.
0: I mean, speaking of from Ohio, I mean, what – What's it like for you, like, when you walk around, like, the East Village or Lower East Side now, are you, is it, like, how does it that feel? I mean. Yeah, it's
3: very different, you know, yeah. it was raw. I mean, I grew up in Queens, so I'm a Queens guy. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it's very different now, you know. It's, like, very touristy, very, you know, it's not gritty. No. It was gritty, you know. But, you know, guys like John and, and Roger will tell you more about that than me. Well, yeah.
2: Luckily, they're all Mets fans, all the new ones. Mets fans. Yeah. Yeah? That's uh. what they do, right? Listen, I... Mean, they don't grew- want to go all the way uptown.
3: Listen, I grew up in Queens. <laughs> Listen, I was a lifelong Mets fan, but the Mets fucking suck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh... It's, live- it's, like, it's like liking the fighter that quits, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you
3: really like the guy if he doesn't have heart, you know what I mean? But <laughs> I'm trapped. Tough. I'm a trap a Mets fan by, by birth. I can't help it. Yeah, you can't help I
0: it. I live in Queens, um, but it's it's like... Not not a real legit. I live in Ridgewood, but it's uh, Ridgewood's Queens. Ridgewood's Queens, but I'm like on the border of Bushwick, and now they're calling it Ridgewick. Have you heard about this? Oh my god! Oh <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, yeah, you, like, I know you're talking. And about. I
0: can't, I can't say, I don't say Ridgewick because it's like makes me. I go feel over like to a Bushwick
3: day. a lot. I train with Gavin. You know Gavin from Burn. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I train uh-huh. with Gavin. He has a, he owns a martial arts and fitness gym, and, and we're friends, old friends. So we box together a couple times. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, I'm supposed to go see him tomorrow morning. I have to text him and say, Yo, I'll be there at ten a.m. But we we train together a lot, and uh, he's on the Bushwick side of the Ridgewick thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, How did you sort of? Can you talk a little bit about like? ATVs and sort of like how oh. yeah you
1: came in yeah I mean like because <coughs> I think people will find that really interesting. <coughs> like, a <laughs> kid from
0: Queens and now all right so your favorite it's
3: like the, thing to do when it's you like got the fresh the air fund you know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> my, my when I was twenty five I grew up it was my mother and my brother we grew up it was a small family it was myself my mother and my brother in Queens I had an alcoholic father that beat my mother the whole thing boom he was gone when I was young he had a, a family with another woman that are my family as well my brothers and sisters okay so i didn't meet them until i was 25 so at the age of 25 i came home from the tour in the 90s my brother was like hey i met like our brother john he's cool we got we got a sister roxanne and a sister rosie they're where are they at they're they're all they're all over the job i'm getting to it yeah yeah. my my brother's like yo they're really cool you got to meet them so I came home and I met everybody and they had like a thing at my brother's house. It was like the whole family came, like the nephews and the nieces. It was like I met like 40 <laughs> people that were like my relatives that I didn't know. And uh, it turns out that like they're like, you know, they're family, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but like it developed into like it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, my half brother's over there. It's yeah, like it's my brother. It's my sister. Proper you know family. I mean? yeah, proper sure. family. So I have this whole huge family now that I never had. And I got to cool. at 25. So my sister... Uh, her husband, Charlie. And the funny thing about Charlie is when I was a little kid, I used to go to this like auto parts store. I had like a little mini bike, and I'd go in there like, Hey, mister, how do I get this part for my mini bike? And it was an auto parts store. They didn't have mini bike parts, but he was cool. He would be like, Listen, you got to go to Hillside Honda. You got to get like the little 50, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got to get like the this gasket or whatever. You know what I mean? So he would hook me up, and it turns out that's my sister's wow. husband.
2: Small world. He was family. He, and he He's was family. Dead. So I'm like, Whoa.
3: So, uh, my sister and Charlie bought a, a farm upstate, so I started going up there, and I was like, "This is great!" And I'd ride ATVs and like you know shoot guns. And is it a
1: working like that. farm, or is it?
3: Yeah, it's a working farm. Wow. They
1: don't they don't farm it;
3: they lease to a farmer, right? Which is what I do because I'm never home. But uh, so I was like, I was like, yeah, I want to buy a place. So eventually, I looked for a bunch of years, and I wound up buying a place that connects to my my sister owns the original place she had then they bought another farmer for an old farmer who was old and passing away so they bought it from him uh and and took care of him the last few years of his life so i bought the uh piece that was connected to that like a farm that was on the back end of all that so all of our farms are connected it's like over 400 wow. acres Holy well, shit. yeah it's, so it's like great between the three of us we have you know, i got 30 acres my sister has like you know Three hundred and seventy-five between her two farms.
2: Yo, I've been wondering where to go when the big wave comes. You gotta hook me up. It's awesome. So
3: I. So what I do is, <laughs> you know, my mother loves it. Like when I bought the place, my mother was crying because she grew up in Germany and like Bavaria. So to her, it was like, oh, it's like my childhood. I always, She loves the. She loves being out in the, in the nature. So do I. That's what I always. That's what I loved more than anything. You know. So, what I do when I'm on tour, all I can think about is going upstate, like you're saying, and like getting on my ATV or my dirt bike. Or, like, you know, go, going out, we have, like, a little range set up, going out and, like, shooting at the steel plates and shooting cans and all that. You know what I mean? Like to shoot, you know what I mean? Target shoot, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I just, it's just so relaxing. I love I loved doing all that stuff. I love it. So, to me, when I get off, I just bought, like, a, a bike recently. So, like, when I get off tour, all I want to do is, like, Ride the A T V, ride the bike and just go into the woods, go up and look at the mountains and just like stop with like a seltzer water. Take a seltzer water with lemon. These guys I showed up, they had seltzer with lemon. I was like, God, you guys know exactly what <laughs> totally exactly what I was hoping for. And uh, so it was I was the rider. We, we yeah. got the rider before but you. N- now up. That it, now that, yeah, the rider. <laughs> now that it's winter, you know, it's uh it's about like you know, I have a wood burning stove. It's about the wood burning stove and ah, it's nice. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's really nice. Sounds nice. It's pretty cool.
1: Sign man. me up, man. I love it. Me and Benny are ready to move to the fucking woods. My wife won't do it, man. My wife loves Where do you me. live? I live in the Lower East Side. She We're ready. To, she Oof. likes to be around people. Anytime we leave, it seems we <coughs> run into fucking nut jobs. So, she's,
3: yeah, she there's nut have, jobs everywhere.
1: It's like I grew up in Central Mass and there's just fucking. Everyone I deal with upstate jobs.
3: is totally cool. The only yeah. thing I'll say about, about upstate New York is you'll like call up a plumber to come and fix stuff, and the guy'll show up like a year later. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm here. I'm like, who are you? Get off my property! Get the
5: hell out of
4: here! They, they
3: take like so long. You know, like they don't want they don't want to they don't want to work or make money.
4: <laughs> Better learn how to fix trying, your own shit. Trying huh? to get a tree guy out to your house, man. That was crazy. A,
3: supposedly, there's a real good tree service up there, but you know how much it costs for a day? Seventeen hundred bucks. Whoa! You get them out there for seventeen hundred bucks, and they'll cut and remove whatever you want. Seventeen hundred bucks. That's a lot That's of money. i and well, going
1: to go up there and start a tree business, man.
3: But I, I, I have a tree that, that a part of it sections off over my barn, and it's not going to fall. But one, it's getting bigger and bigger. So I'm like, I got to get a tree guy to trim back trim this it. tree. So not, I don't want anything hanging over my barn. 1700 bucks, though.
2: So. I know an old hardcore Whew. kid was in tree service. He'd probably be stoked to come work at the guy from Sickness. You You got to give me his, you give me his yeah. number. Yeah. You I, I, got a guy, I
4: got a guy up there who's very fair. I found one.
3: Really? Guys in my band will. Uh, if they hear this, sick of it all, guys will crack jokes because they always say, like they always
5: say
2: to the wisdom and chains guys, "Oh, you went up to
3: Craig's farm, you made your work and didn't pay you."
2: <laughs> and Franklin used to tell me that. I'd be like, he's like, oh, "I'm going upstate to do a floor at Armand's house or something." <laughs> really? Like yeah, yeah, it's pretty
0: random. Yeah. Do you guys remember mm. that bantry?
2: Oh. He did Armand's whole bathroom. Yeah, he did. That's he right. did work at his house, right?
0: Yeah. Wow. Did he do good work? Was it built to last? <laughs> oh, oh, Waiting for it to come
2: out. Oh,
0: Jonah! <laughs> I knew you had something in the pocket. That's good. Wait, that's good, Jonah. Don't you
2: have a uh, a mystery friend in the pocket?
0: Uh, no, it ended up not working out. If you don't, I do. Whoa! Yeah. Ooh. You you should do yours. I'm. I, so, I feel like mine's not good. Mine's right, we good, do a but... segment on here
2: called Mystery Friend. This is a mystery friend for whom? Me? You. Yeah. So I'm gonna say something that should. Make you think of this person and relate it, and then you have to guess who this person is. This is revenge was. for well, the Roger Depending questions, on right? how,
1: how, how, how specific you are, he can elaborate on the story, right? All right. So go.
2: it's a person you know who was injured. It's a person you know for a long time who was injured, and he said that he felt very lonely. But only one person reached out and said a sentiment that said "hardcore would never hurt one of its favorite sons." You said this uh, to someone else. Do you remember who you yes, said this to? Yes,
3: my good friend Jerry Walden. Yes, Jerry, love Waldron the man, love the, mystery the man. Friend. Nice. I, right. that, I have <laughs> yeah. to.
2: He, he oh, exactly. I, I mean, what a great thing to say to somebody.
3: I'm really good when I'm not in front of you. If I like write a text, I can really sound like I'm, like you know, coming I mean, across strong.
2: I felt like he just even told me that story, and I was inspired.
3: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I wasn't in front of him. If I was in front of him, it would have
0: been. It wouldn't have worked. All right, I, I have, I do have one too, but I feel like Maybe it's going get... to write a book.
3: <laughs> well, I can write pretty well in school, like uh, with with writing and all that. Hmm? I was always like really. The teachers were always like, "Wow, you write so well!" I'd read your book in first grade. I got a twelve point nine on the uh, like standardized uh, like city tests. You know, you take those tests oh, yeah. when you were a kid. I got twelve point nine in first grade point mm-hmm. nine reading level and all that writing, all that.
2: So that was like my specialty. Destined for a life in hardcore. <laughs> oh <my> yeah. God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a request from one of your friends. Also, I feel like this is going to get edited out. I don't know what this is, but I have a feeling it's going to get edited out. uh They wanted you to talk about the Bronson wig. Oh, you're talking about uh, CPM, <laughs> Colin Patrick McGinnis. Yeah, he's
3: a friend of mine. He, uh, you know, he. uh he plays in H two O now. He plays guitar. Yeah, he's right. a friend of mine from from. Unfortunately, he's from Philadelphia, but he's still my friend. Oh, man, <laughs> but uh, he we took him on tour as a roadie, and he uh, <coughs> he's like a big rollicking kind of loving guy, you know. And he would like sit around in his underwear in a hotel room. And, like, we'd always say, like, you know, it turned into he's sitting around in, like, a giant baby diaper. And he would just go nuts, like, laughing and going, the guy would go crazy. He couldn't sleep, but you'd be, you'd have a great time with the guy. He was so funny. But uh, if you look at his hair when he grows that long, it looks like Charles Bronson, the way he, like, combs to the side. <laughs> so we'd call him Bronson Wig. We'd call him, a, another one was Baby Elephant
0: because he's so big, <laughs> you know? I thought this was going to be something like really dirty or something. No, not some at reason. all. Not at all. Not at all.
2: Oh, I see where your head went, yeah, yeah, Jonah. Yeah. Oh, man. You're so creepy. <laughs> no, no, He um, was great. The
3: guy could carry an SVT cabinet upstairs on his back by himself.
2: Oh, man. An, all an H10. He can
3: carry an H10. By That's a guy to have on the road with him. Pete, yeah, Pete has these cabinets that are all steel. Ooh, They're in road cases, they're built into road cases. They're so heavy, he would carry them up no problem. Jesus. Super strong.
2: I wouldn't mess with the baby elephant. Well, he's, he's the happiest guy in the world, though. Yeah.
3: He's the happiest guy in the world. Super happy guy. He's a great guy. His wife is the sweetest girl in the world. It's like, it's like twisted Americana because he's so crazy. But it, right. it's like it's like you know it's like perfect. Like it's the perfect couple. You know That's
2: what I mean? Awesome. As uh, Kira, I was speaking to someone else you probably know, um, Chris Ross, huh? Ensign and Nora and those bands, and we were talking the other day about how. <coughs> a lot of our friends from the punk and hardcore scene, how the longer and longer they sort of get away from their old friends, get away from shows and get away from music. We're finding a lot of our old friends kind of a little conservative. You know what I mean? Like getting to a place that um, (coughs) seems out of character for, for where we knew these people to be from. And Chris, had said that he finds the longer and longer people are detaching that they're like reverting to childhood roles, where like you know the longer and longer you're out of the scene, you basically just start becoming what you know and where you're from and something like that. Is that something you've had any experience with, like going yeah, through the
3: scene like this? I think so. Like uh, Tommy from Straight Ahead, he stopped going to shows and being involved, and he became an iron worker, and uh, he his his whole view changed a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. he'll always be my friend and I love him. And, uh, he, he just seems to have had, you know, he became back to where he was when he was a kid, pretty much as far as like a neighborhood guy, you know, and whatever, nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying it, 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 uh, that was a good example of that. You know what I mean? I also think that when you, when you do this for so long and it's such an important thing to you, if you get out of it, you become bitter and it passes you by. Mm. And maybe your bitterness comes off more like, ah, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. you become a little negative oh. toward what's around you because you no longer have that connection or outlet. You take the other side more of
2: like a reactionary yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of way. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I It's something that I found so disappointing, but then also I, it makes me wonder like just the uh, authenticity of so many people I knew. In the scene, why they were doing things and like what their motivations were to actually be there. And, you know, were they racist the whole time and just like punk rock girls or, or you know, like it, it puts a big question bit- mark. Bit- I a think lot it's of
3: bitterness, it. you know, more than anything. I think it's bitterness. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. I don't know, man. I was hanging out with, uh, I was just, before I came here, I stopped at Starbucks mm-hmm. and I had like a tea because I had some time to kill. And this Rasta dude walks in. And he's like, hey, man, you watch my phone. He plugged his phone in. He goes, hey, man. He looked at me. He looked around the room. And there was like a guy like nodding out. So I guess the guy was a junkie sitting there, too, kind of close to me. And he looks at all these people and he looks at me. He makes eye contact with me. And he walks over and he goes, hey, man, you watch my phone. I got to run across the street. I was like, I got to leave. He goes, I got to leave in two minutes. And he's like, oh, I'll be five minutes. I go, I'll wait. Okay. But if you're 10 minutes, I got to leave. I said, you know, this guy was like, all right, cool. He comes, he goes there and he comes back. <laughs> And he's like, "Oh, thank you, man. Thank you, man." So I, I, look at him and I go, "I forget what I said exactly." I go, uh, "I go, I, I go, I, ho- I go." Listen, man, have a. G- I hope you enjoy that bullshit holiday tomorrow, because he had a line of Judah ring, and I look and I, you know, just to like throw it out there, because you know he's gonna bite right on that. You know what yeah, I
2: mean?
3: Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a, like a little bit of a talk for about five minutes about like Christmas and about you know uh consumerism and and you know the bullshit we're all being fed it was yeah, like a punk yeah. rock it was like you know like a punk rock talk and the the, the you know the the dude was cool you know what nice. i'm saying
2: yeah you, you connected
3: yeah yeah so, well, you know i don't know what my point was we we're talking about racism so i'm thinking like the you know well, how could you be a damn racist people are cool you just yeah. got to just got <laughs> <you> to <just gotta laughs> let
2: it fly man Well, i mean that's <laughs> i mean i can never understand someone who just lives in this city you know like like you're inundated with the experience on such a daily level you know i can i can understand how someone in the middle of the country can get these skewed perspectives it makes perfect sense you know what i mean like psychologically it would make perfect the television
3: is what's making people racist Mm, yeah it's the whole it's the whole you know divide and conquer pit the people against the people so they don't rise up and see what's going on how they're being really how we're being played by the system. It being played, especially now, more than ever, we're being played, and everybody's asleep, and people are like, mm-hmm. "What are you talking about?" It's like, dude, this is like, this is like,
2: this isn't good. Talking about Levar Ball and shit.
3: I don't want to <laughs> say anything too specific, but this isn't good. You know, it kind of reminds me of some shit that happened in the '30s, right before it got real bad. Yeah, it's like yeah. all this, all this shit's being fed to you, and it's like, yeah, it's okay. No, it's really not okay. No, it's really not okay. Not okay. It's not okay because this is going to turn into something. Real bad, but I think also that with the way media is, they're trying to put you in a mental prison. It's a psychological operation more than anything. Sure, they want to keep you in the box. They can't. They don't actually have enough manpower to keep you in the box. They want to keep you in the box mentally. Right. You know, have the dog be afraid of of you know the kind. It's almost like better example. You put the owl in the tree where your dog plays outside right and you don't have to worry about the birds of prey the real owl coming to take your dog away right. you understand what i'm saying yeah it'll be a little tiny dog or your cat yeah, yeah. it's almost like put the idea out there and people will be scared that's not a good that's not a good example but, but i couldn't true. think of it this is what came to my like head
1: the owl
3: you know what i mean though <laughs> yeah, put an owl yeah. in the tree and it's like the or the yeah. bats stay away or whatever yeah yeah i'm a little yeah. confused right now but you get the idea <laughs> no,
0: i definitely get the idea uh, so what else do you have kind of going on like as far as like are you on the, are you touring soon You're just- well actually
3: <coughs> we've been on the road for about the last two and a half years pretty much nonstop. stop you get a week off two oh, weeks oh yeah i
0: was saying i just was in singapore and there was a sick of it all flyer that we just <laughs> yeah us. yeah
3: he just missed us by like a, yeah, know, like like a, a week. week yeah in i would have gone
0: for sure <laughs> wow and, uh, that been awesome. and, and, and so,
3: so We've been on tour. We had like, you know, occasionally we get three weeks off. We even had a month off once or twice in the last two and a half years, but it's not long. It's like you get a week off, two weeks, three weeks. So now we have four months off. Four months. And I have two mags gigs in that time, Brooklyn and Philly, which are going to be fun because playing in Philly is always great and Brooklyn is going to be good. So I got four months off, so I'm just going to chill. But it's the middle of the winter. I'd, I'd rather have summertime off, but you never have summertime off, you know? Okay. And then, and then and the next thing we have, we don't have anything booked. We're going to work on a new album, but we have like two weeks with Municipal Waste in uh, from Texas through Florida and up the East Coast. So that's really not fun. even really like work. That's like absolute fun. Those guys are like the greatest dudes ever. So yeah. it's going to be absolute fun.
0: <laughs> you take four months off. Do you have to practice or no? You're no, just, no, no. It's you know, like it's muscle memory. Don't have to point. practice ever. Yeah.
3: What has to happen is <clears throat> Armand has to practice his drums in his basement just to get his body used to the move, maneuvering. I think Lou has to go to the studio by his house and sing <laughs> along to like a, a CD of "Sick of It All" songs. Yeah, you know, he'll so sing along to like the re, re re the re the re thing we did a couple of years ago. All the oh, old okay. songs. Read He'll like sing along to that. You know, he'll have it loud in the room and he'll sing in the PA. So where it's his just voice physically. Goes, getting it's ready. just physically getting ready. Okay. You know, gotcha. that's all it, I don't have to do anything with the first two shows. My my thumb muscle will get like the size of a baseball. Look at the size of my thumb muscle. <laughs> see that yeah I have a freakishly from playing bass my entire life I have like the a bodybuilder's thumb muscle it's like it's like it's, it looks like I have a handball sticking out yeah. of, Isn't that crazy crazy <laughs> like injury, injury, yeah it looks like a handball sticking out of my hand that's just absolutely crazy it's that's like so and when I play a show when I haven't played in a couple in a, a while it'll I'll get lactic acid build up in there and it'll get like twice as big uh, called the frog
2: Call it called Guinness what Called Guinness biggest thumb muscle in a,
0: i probably in America?
3: could I probably could it's it's really freaky isn't it yeah, it's that big. is
0: that is like a new definition of hardcore that looks abnormal, right? Yeah that Brad can we
2: maybe make this the cover image for the podcast <laughs> sure. Just the thumb, muscle? Thumb, muscle. <laughs> thumb muscle thumb muscle itself. that's a pretty good name for a funny hardcore band Thumb muscle, thumb muscle? that is no? a good we had
3: stupid names Pete we come up with good ones came up with like steroid cop
5: <laughs> <That> <laughs> a good name. handle Hand over fist
2: <laughs> <laughs> would, <that> you, a- <laughs> would you join my overweight hardcore band called girth crisis
3: <laughs> you know something i think you robbed that from us because we used to always say that too i used to, I used to, I used to oh s- no we i used to say to Armand, like you know you should join girth crisis
2: <laughs> so i do have a funny story that's about crazy that's the same 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 trying one. to play up to you guys once and I, don't I know am if, a little chubby. though. I'm, I don't know if I'm you were on there a diet or not. right now,
3: so yeah, I do need to lose some weight. Thanks, thanks <laughs> for pointing it out over the air.
2: He's rubbing <laughs> his belly with a Santa Claus. I lost, I thing lost uh,
3: five pounds in ten days.
2: Nice, but I did the most illegal thing maybe in my life, <clears> uh, <throat> trying to look cool in front of sick of it all. This actually happened. I got taken by Tim Shaw and Jerry, who we already mentioned. Sick of It All was doing an interview on WSOU uh-huh. Pirate Radio in Scene Hall. I think it might have been the Metal Mayhem show or one of the what hardcore year? reality. There was those couple what? shows. What year? Um, it would have been 96, 97 somewhere around there and those guys were like do you want to go hang out with Sick of It All? I'm like yes and I was very giddy and excited. It's weird. And, you know, <laughs> listen, my, you guys did the segment. I thought I was being cool. And we were walking out of there and I jumped into like a locker room at, at, at on campus at Seton Hall. And I took a practice basketball jersey from the locker room <laughs> and left with it. And I did this to try to be cool. For you guys. What, and it's steal probably most <laughs> the most thing. How stealing something being cool? I don't fucking know. I was like 16. <laughs> did you let us know that you stole s- it? Yeah, I think I just was like, euh, check it out. Like, I probably tried to play it off a Gosh, little I'm bit. Like, Why is this guy stealing shit? Yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> this guy's fucking cool. We're never going to get back
0: in, in this room. Don't bring this thing around again.
2: I know. What are you doing, Tim? Don't bring him around. It's distorted. But it happened. And I did. I wore it for a while. Not out. Because, you know. Guy like me can't wear basketball jerseys around. Well, actually, probably nobody should, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Worked in the nineties. I have mixed yeah. feelings about this. You know, brought the bat. Don't worry about it. I mean, <laughs> can you like? Can you give me out some kind of character things like, randomly that just happened? Can you give me some kind of repentance? <laughs> I need like I need like some repentance. I need Dead. to feel better mm. about this. It's yeah. nagging it's, me. Celso with lemon. Lots
0: of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you to Craig for coming
1: by. Thank you very much. I've been I've been in the room with Craig many times, obviously, and uh, we've never really, I've never really, I may not have ever even been introduced to him, but yeah, I've been around those guys for years. He's just one of those guys that like. You think you know him? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know like three dudes that are just like him, and like, so it's very easy to to kind of like just interact. You with feel him very right comfortable around him. Immediately. I do feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I feel but like I also like just kind of know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I agree. Um, and also. I think we should try to get ourselves invited to his place upstate.
1: Yeah,
0: that was like what I was thinking the whole podcast. I was like, I was like, all right, I'm gonna get myself invited. You want
1: to go ride some ATVs? I man. want to so bad. I
0: mean, I feel like I'll be on it for like five seconds before I like break something. But I still want to be like, I, yeah. Me and Greg were just riding ATVs last weekend. Like, what were you doing? Like you're, you know, you could probably get some Instagram mileage out of that. Oh, for sure, visit, couldn't you? For sure. I just, I just hope my ATV wouldn't break down with all those breakdowns. <laughs> in their music. (laughs) But yeah, if uh yeah, sick of it all, obviously I don't need to hype them. They've been around for thirty years. Legendary hardcore band, one of the best. Check them out. Check out straight ahead, all of Craig's older bands. Um everything craig's done i mean that dude is just uh very humble very funny and and uh just a super super talented guy so thank you so much for coming by thank you again to pulse music and steve rawalski for making us sound so good um if you want to book a session there that would make us look really good so do it yeah i would be um, sure to mention us if you do yes definitely mention us mention your favorite podcast is recorded there and you just wanted to capture some of that magic <laughs> and uh if you want to support this podcast um you can go to patreon.com slash going off track. Um, there's a bunch of different levels. Different yeah. I just incentives. had two
1: people today sign up for $1 really? a month. Yeah. Yeah. And, every which little is, bit helps. Man. Yeah. It's fantastic. And, and, um, you know it definitely shows that you 're a supporter, uh, and I do not would never even think to belittle that contribution because it 's fantastic yeah you know, most I, it's it, the podcast is free obviously yes. and, and it 'll stay free, but if it 's going to stay ad free, we do need these contributions and so far everybody 's been really good um, there 's a bunch of different levels that you can get involved at, and they all have different things to that you can reap from just p- out of pure love to who knows what?
0: Who knows what? I, I
1: think we've got a couple of big contributors that we're really going to have to
0: think of some good things to come up we'll with We'll come up with some good stuff. <laughs> um, we have
1: to personally go to their house
0: and yes. cook them dinner. But also, if you want to book an ad, you can always <laughs> email me. If you're cool. <laughs> only, only stuff that we're actually into. Right. Um, or you can
1: just give us free beer. You yeah, free beer.
0: We, we're looking for a beer sponsor. I got a couple leads on that. Okay, let's do. So You um, can definitely make some exposure. I guess I got a hops to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, if you if you if you're not into the the recurring thing, that's cool. You can also do a one time uh, donation over at uh, Venmo slash Off Track. You can donate via PayPal. All this stuff is also um, it's all on our website on our website And uh, you can also if money's tight, we get it. Um, just leave us a review on iTunes like uh that's that always helps um or just t- spread the word tweet at us just let us know you're listening if you see us out and around give us a handshake maybe uh <laughs> high five a high five <laughs> I like uh I like the hitting the rock kind of okay that's fun so yeah uh, but yeah we appreciate everyone's support um from nothing to a dollar to people that are pledging a lot every month. Uh, it, it all helps us pay our server costs. And offset have this, this podcast is, is a lot of work. It's a labor of love. And we, we really appreciate it. And we're going to keep doing it. And thanks again to Craig for coming by. And we'll be back with a, another podcast next week. So thanks. Talk to you then. Bye.